2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 11, just going to read four or five verses as we bring this series to a close. Paul wrote these words, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result, Paul said, of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. And he ends this chapter by saying, thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. You may be seated this morning. Today I am bringing uh, this series, I Own Nothing, to a close. We've spent the last three weeks, uh, really four weeks, unpacking some very important principles that I believe Scripture is very clear on when it comes to the stewarding of our resources. Uh, before I jump into this text, and I know I've done this every single week, and for those that have been with us every single week, just uh, bear with me for just a moment. But I want to share once again, I want you, especially if, if you're new with us today, I want you to hear my heart as the pastor of this church in regards to this subject matter of stewardship, generosity, and how we are to handle our resources. The subject of giving, and I know this, I've seen this, I've experienced, the subject of giving or money can stir up all kinds of emotions. And I know for many of you, and, and for some that I've talked to before, it has created, created barriers, created walls, because of the experiences that maybe you have had, whether it's in church or whether it's in life in general. Because of that, because of those walls, because of those experiences, because I don't necessarily know what you have uh, been, been exposed to growing up, I'm oftentimes hesitant uh, to even approach this subject of stewardship, of money and giving. But just because I'm hesitant doesn't mean uh, I shouldn't teach on it, and therefore I believe it should be and must be taught on correctly uh, in the church for several reasons. I've given these reasons to you now. They won't be up on the screen, but I've, I've listed these reasons to you for the last three weeks. Number one, why should we address the subject of generosity or stewardship? Because, first of all, it's addressed in Scripture, and it's mentioned by Jesus on several occasions. Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, that all of Scripture, how many believe that all of Scripture is, is useful, it's inspired by God, all of it, and I don't have the right as a pastor to say, yeah, I'm not really interested in covering these two or three books because I just don't want to talk about it. All of Scripture, all 66 books that have been given to us that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit are useful for us uh, today. And so I believe that it's important uh, that we address all of Scripture. Paul even says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he refers to to this, this idea of generosity, to this, this concept of giving, he refers to it and, and reminds the people that it is a gracious work that they are participating in. Uh, he, he doesn't just kind of slide by the subject matter, but in regards to generosity and stewardship, Paul himself says, and he calls it a gracious work. We looked at last week how you and I, we have the privilege, 
we have the opportunity to partner with God in, in, in acts of generosity. He has been generous. How many are thankful for the generosity of God? And because he has been generous to us, an outflow of his generosity to us should be generosity to others. I also want all of us in this room as a church, not just as individuals, but as a congregation, I want us to have a biblically sound understanding of stewardship, of generosity, and I want us to all know and recognize the impact that it can have on the kingdom of God. As a church, some of you may know our mission statement here at Glad Tidings Church is to develop biblically sound believers. I want us to know the truth and the word of God. But the second half of that mission statement is, is to reflect the character of Christ. We, we want to develop biblically sound believers who reflect the character of Christ. How do we reflect his character unless we know the character of the one that we are to reflect? And so it's important that we have a, a biblically sound understanding of this subject matter. Before, I want us, I want us to be a kingdom-minded church generosity, stewardship, giving. It's not just about me and, and what I have and what I can do or what this church can do. It's about the kingdom of God. And when we are faithful, when we're obedient, when we're cheerful, and, and when we are generous, the kingdom of God begins to, to grow and expand and, and advance in ways that our minds can't even begin to fathom. And we know that generous giving often breeds blessing. And I've said this over and over again. It's not always monetary blessing. In many cases, it may not be. Maybe some of you in this room have experienced when, you, when you're faithful and generous in your giving, God blessed you in a monetary way. But oftentimes, that blessing is in the form of somehow the kingdom of God being impacted for eternity. And, and so we know that when we are faithful and generous, that it often breeds blessing. We serve a big God who has, I believe, a big vision for his church as a whole. And if we want to see that vision unfold, and we want to see big results, we need to partner with him in the work, in the ministry, this gracious work that he has called us to do. He, he doesn't, as he said last week, God doesn't need us, but he has given us the privilege, and it is, it's a privilege that, and, and honor to partner with him in advancing the work of the kingdom. And that's something that should bring joy and passion and desire to our hearts. And I've also experienced the joy firsthand of, uh, of generosity, and I want you all to experience that as well. Now, from the very beginning of this series, and, and I want to encourage you even beyond today, I don't want you to walk out of this room today and say, all right, we got that, that generosity series out of the way, and now I can go back to my, you know, my old ways and how I used to do things. I, I really want to challenge not just you, but me and us all as a church and as a congregation. I want us to continue to pray. I want us to continue to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I, how can I be faithful? How can I be obedient to what you've called us to do in regards to generosity. How can we better, uh, and, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give us kingdom perspective. How many want kingdom perspective, amen? And so let's continue beyond this series. I, I want us to make certain as a church that our prayer often, daily, is that we have kingdom perspective in everything that we do. When we decide to, to engage in this ministry, or when we decide to do this here, or when we decide to participate in this outreach, I want it to be from the perspective of we are here not to build our own kingdom, 
We are here to build the kingdom of God. We get to partner with him. And I want that. And I know no one's perfect. I know this church isn't perfect. I know I'm not perfect. But, but I want you to be praying with me that in everything that we do, I want to make certain that it's about the kingdom of God. And I, I, I need you praying with me for that. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into all truth. He's the one that, that will tear down those barriers and those walls. He's the one that will, will guide us and give us counsel when we need it. And then I just want you all to remember, and I've said this now, this will be the fourth time, and uh, repetition is good. Um, but I want us to remember this series has nothing to do with, with um, concocting a fundraiser or an attempt to coerce anyone into giving because that is not biblical at all. Scripture teaches against that. And, and Scripture is very clear that we are to each give um, based on what, what God and what the Holy Spirit is, is doing in our own hearts. And so I'm not up here. That is not, number one, I've said this to you now for several weeks in a row. I don't like fundraising. I didn't like it as a kid. I didn't like selling candy bars. I liked eating the candy bars. I didn't like selling uh, the candy bars, especially, you know, the caramel or the ones with the almonds. Those were very, very good. But, but I was not a fundraiser. That was not my, my thing. And I'm not up here to do the same. And, and I'm here to teach us what Scripture says in regards to this gracious work of generosity. Three weeks ago, we laid an important foundation regarding stewardship, and it's up here on the screen. And this is, and I've said this to you over and over, if we get this wrong, we're going to miss everything else. This is the foundation. The foundation is key. If the foundation crumbles, uh, we will be in trouble. But I want, to, I want you to hear this. God is the owner. God is the owner of everything we have. Therefore, we are his stewards. He is the creator. He's the one that created everything. And since he is the creator, that means everything belongs to him. That means he's the owner of everything that we have. And if he is the owner, that means we aren't. We aren't the owners. We are just his stewards. We are his managers. And he has given us the responsibility, the task of managing, hopefully, faithfully, the resources that he has blessed us with. And so we talked about that in week one. And we talked about how this understanding affects everything and really opens the door for kingdom possibilities. If we get this right... The foundation laid properly, then, then we will begin to see some incredible kingdom doors, possibilities begin to open. Two weeks ago, uh, or a few weeks ago, we explored then the biblical and Old Testament concept of the tithe and, and the legal obligation uh, that was laid upon the people of Israel. And, and, and as God was teaching them what it looked like to, to live as a people that was serving God, uh, he began to unpack the tithe of one-tenth. And then uh, last week we explored several New Testament principles regarding our role as a generous giver. One thing I did not say um, in, in the message last week, but this is, this is probably a principle that, that we all need to remember and grasp. And that is that there is nobody in this room, there is nobody on this planet... They can outgive God. And, and that, and I didn't say that. I probably should have said it last week. I didn't, but I'm saying it this week. Uh, we cannot outgive God. And, and so He is the owner of everything. He has given us resources to utilize for the kingdom of God. And when we give faithfully obedient, we cannot outgive Him. We have everything that we need. It actually says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. Paul will say, say that you have everything that you need and plenty left over to share. I mean, when I think about the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, uh, remember there, there were 5,000 men 
plus women and children that were present. And, and Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to go find food. Uh, I don't know about you. It's, it's hard to feed 40 people or 60 people. And can you imagine finding enough food for 5,000 men plus women and children? And the disciples were like, how in the world are we going to do this? We don't have enough money. Even if we did, it would not. we don't have enough time to go back, get the food. You know, they find this, this young lad who had five loaves of bread, two fish. They brought it to Jesus. Jesus prayed, multiplied. And what did they do? They, they served the 5,000 men plus women and children. And guess what? They had 12 basketfuls left over. Cannot outgive God. And as Paul says, they had plenty left over to share. Today we're going to explore then, and this is really to bring a close and, and even add a little bit more practical element to this message. We're going to explore how the kingdom advances when God's people generously give and hopefully be challenged to seriously then consider and continue to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what is my involvement in this kingdom? What are, you, what are you calling me to do? And I want you to be praying about that uh, even as we bring this series to a close and as we move beyond uh, this series to another one. I want you to continue to pray constantly, asking the Holy Spirit, what is my role? How can I better partner with the, the ministry that you, this gracious work that you've called me to engage in? Every time, this will be up on the screen, every time you generously and with a cheerful heart give to God, his kingdom is significantly impacted. I want you to hear that again. Every time you generously and with a cheerful heart give to God, I can promise you that his kingdom is significantly impacted. I, I can't emphasize this point enough. And, and I know there are many times that when we, are, when we are consistent and when we're faithful and when we're obedient and cheerful in our giving, sometimes we don't see in front of us the physical results of, of the kingdom growth that's taking place. But I can tell you with certainty today, every time that you give cheerfully and generously, every time you, you give to this gracious work of the ministry that God has called us to, I can tell you and I can promise you that there are places where there are probably prodigals that are returning to Christ. There are places that are receiving in their own language for the very first time the very truth of God's word. Every time that you give, you are partnering with God. It's so much bigger than what's just happening here at Glad Tidings or at Dunkirk or in your own life. But every time that you give, the kingdom is growing and being impacted in significant ways. And, and, and the gospel, because you give, the gospel then is, is making its way into, into communities where the gospel has never been heard. And because of that, there are people, there are people in villages that are hearing for the first time. Or, or maybe your sons and your daughters that are hearing the gospel and they are returning to the Lord. So every time that we generously so see God is faithful and his kingdom is significantly impacted. So this morning I want to examine just very briefly the connection between our giving and the growth of God's kingdom. I want to begin by talking about how the kingdom grows when we steward his resources honorably or with integrity. Let me just say at the outset that God, God isn't interested in careless stewardship. I say that because, let's be honest, if, there, if we were to kind of put this, um, and put this in our shoes and look at this from a little bit different perspective, there's nobody here in this room that wants someone who is um, reckless or careless 
in the managing it. If you, if you hire somebody to manage your household or, or to manage your finances or to manage your resources, you don't want that person to do, do that, that managing or that stewardship in a reckless or careless manner. We want somebody who's doing it with integrity, somebody who's doing it with honor, somebody who is who is recognizes that not only are they not accountable to that person, they're ultimately accountable to God. And so the kingdom grows when we steward his resources honorably. God is looking for faithful followers to manage his resources and to do so with integrity. But how does that happen? How do we how do we manage his resources with integrity? This requires number one thoughtful care given to the resources that have been entrusted to us. Proverbs 27, I know this may seem like a weird weird passage. Um, uh, maybe some of you in this room have flock, um, a few sheep. I don't know, anybody have a few sheep that you, you care for or that you manage? Uh, okay, nobody. Uh, that's okay, I told you this would seem a little bit off. Um, verse 23, Proverbs 27, verse 23. Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. When this was written, flock was, uh, flocks were considered, or if you had flock, if you had sheep, you were considered pretty wealthy. And, and oftentimes there would be somebody that, that would even manage the flocks or the sheep that had been entrusted to their care. The point that I want you to understand this morning is even here, um, this, uh, sorry, go back one, I, I jumped ahead. Um, with this verse, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. The, the, the reality is this requires thoughtful care given to the resources that have been entrusted to us. And, and so it may not be talking about flocks, but the resources that God has given us, whether it's whether it's money or the gifts or whatever it may be, we are required to steward those faithfully. We he, he says that we need to know the state of our flocks. We need to know, you know, where they're at and what they're doing and how they're being utilized. We need to make sure that whatever God has given to us, what he's entrusted to us, remember, he's the owner and we are the stewards. We are to manage those resources in a faithful and in a faithful way and with integrity. Number two, this requires we also know that this requires growing what has been given to us. Um, some of you may remember the, the, the parable that Jesus told of uh, the parable of the talents. To one man he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. And, and the master went away for a little while. When he came back, uh, the one who was given five, he, he invested uh, those five. He, he, he put them to work. He sowed seed for the kingdom of God. And guess what? The five multiplied and it, and it grew. And he was able to, to show the master, look, I, I poured my heart and I, I invested the five that you gave me. And, and there was growth that came out of, came out of it. The same, the same with the, the man who had two. He, he said, I, I invested, I sowed, these, I sowed the seed. And, and out of that, there was a great harvest that came about. And if you remember the one that was just given one talent, um, what did he do? He, he hid it. He kept it to himself. He, did, he didn't want to lose the one that had been given to me. And so when the master returned, he said, look, I still have the one that you gave me. And the master was sad because he did not invest what had been given. The reason he was given the resource in the first place was to use it for the kingdom of God. And instead of using it, he, he held on to it. He, clinged, he clung to it and, and, and didn't use it for the kingdom of God because he didn't sow. I mean, the, the truth is, if I, have, if I have a handful of seeds and, and I want to see plants grow up out of the ground, I can't hold on to those seeds and just expect that maybe if I hold on to them tightly or if I you know, water them in my hand just a little bit, maybe something will grow. That's not how it works. 
We're given those seeds to plant into the ground so that there will be a harvest that comes out of the ground. And the same is true with the resources. Anything, whether it is money, whether it is a gift that God has given to us, we are to steward it for the kingdom of God. We, we are not to just keep it to ourselves and just hope that, you know, when God, when, when Jesus returns, look, I, I, I held on to this gift that you gave me or these resources, guess what? None of those go with us in the first place. And, and so we are to steward those faithfully for the kingdom of God so that we can see growth begin to unfold. The same is true, this is just kind of a sidebar, the same is true when it comes to the good news of Jesus Christ, when it comes to the word of God. Um, all of us in this room that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, we, we were not meant to then just go and hide out and, and to keep to ourselves and, and hold on to this, man, this is good news. When we have good news, anytime that something good happens to us, we are usually quick to share it on social media or tell our friends or call somebody, hey, let me tell you about what, what happened. This is good stuff. The same should happen when it comes to when we have experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ. We should be quick to share that. With others, we, we were not meant to, to hold on to that, but we were meant to share that with others. Number three, this, this also, when it comes to managing our resources with integrity, it requires sacrificing the need for personal return on our investments. And instead, we must have a kingdom focus on our returns. We, 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 we need to make certain that when we give and when we steward the resources that God has given to us, that we're not doing so with a heart that, that, that is all built around this concept of trying to build my own kingdom or trying to build myself up or, or what can I get out of it? It needs to be about as I faithfully steward these resources with integrity and with honor, how is the kingdom growing? What is God doing as we graciously participate in this work? Number four, then, and I'm speaking here really as a, as a church, not just as individuals. I want you to know my heart as a church, as a church, not just as individuals. I long, we long to steward with integrity the resources that God has given to us. Uh, it, it's not just a message that is to the individuals, but as a church, we, I, have a responsibility to make sure that we are faithfully and with integrity and with honor stewarding the resources that God has given to us. And so, so when we engage in, in specific ministry activity or when we um, you know, support missionaries or whatever it may be, we do so with this in mind. How is this impacting the kingdom of God? And does this even connect with the mission of the church? The mission of the church to develop biblically sound believers who reflect Christ's character and, and the vision to, to plant uh, life-giving churches in several counties here in East Central Indiana. So as, as we steward these resources, is it making a kingdom difference? Because if not, or if it's not going to make a kingdom difference, then, then it may not be worth the investment. May not be worth the time. It may not be worth the resources. But if it's going to make a difference for the kingdom of God, if God's mission and God's vision, if, if we're going to see people come to know Christ through those efforts, then it's certainly worth it. Alfred Martin said, wasteful use of the Lord's money can bring reproach in the cause of Christ and can hinder the effective stewardship of God's children by causing them to withhold all giving because some stewards have been unfaithful. So here's the question we have to ask. As a follower of Christ, Am I stewarding his resources honorably? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer that for somebody else. You can answer it for yourself and I can answer it for myself. Am I, as a follower of Christ, am I stewarding his resources faithfully with integrity and with honor? Because when I do, 
his kingdom will grow. His kingdom will grow. It's about the kingdom. It's not about my personal kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God and seeing it advance. Number two, kingdom growth. Um, I've thrown that phrase out now quite a bit. And I'm only just going to give you a taste of this this morning. But kingdom growth takes on all sorts of, of shapes and sizes. I don't have time to, to um, really lay out for us today um, every element or every shape or every size of what kingdom growth looks like. But I do want to give you just a taste. Because when I talk about the kingdom growing, I want you to, I want you to have a picture in mind that when you sow that seed and when you give and when you are using the gift God is giving you, that this is what is happening. Though I may not see it physically with my eyes, I can know behind the scenes that God is taking these gifts and using them to grow his kingdom. When God's people are generously and cheerfully giving to the kingdom, what results then are we going to see? First of all, and we see this clearly in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 9. We're going to see that the needs of the people will be met. We see this with the believers in Jerusalem. Look at the text, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Yes, Paul says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things, Paul said, will result from this ministry of giving. The first one is this, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. When we give, when we sow seed into the kingdom of God, the needs of God's people will be met. Now let me, let me unpack that a little bit because that can... Um, Sometimes that can cause a little bit of a rub or, or a misunderstanding, and I want to explain some things to us this morning. Number one, uh, in, in regards to that, meeting physical needs can certainly and does certainly pave the way for spiritual needs to be met. Um, we see that this pattern, it reflects the heart and ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. Uh, let me just give you a few examples. In John chapter 4, Jesus shows up at a well, um, it's in the afternoon, and there is this Samaritan woman that, that thinks that she's going to be alone when she comes to the well. She's coming at this particular time of the day to avoid the rest of the people. But when, they, when she comes to the well, there is this man by the name of Jesus. She doesn't really know him at this point in time, but they have a conversation. And the conversation actually begins with, with Jesus saying, um, I'm thirsty, can you give me a drink? He, at this point in time, he's talking about physical water. Um, and, and as you read through this story, it moves from meeting a physical need to meeting the spiritual need of this Samaritan woman. Because Jesus will take this as an opportunity. You know, we're talking about physical water and drinking that physical. Let me tell you about living water that I can offer you today. And so in just the, the meeting of that physical need, we, we see this transformation take place, this movement take place. It's about a physical need being met, but it quickly moves to a spiritual conversation where a spiritual need of this Samaritan woman is met. So much so, look how the kingdom, and I love this story in John chapter 4, that it, it is so incredible because what will happen is her life will be changed. And because her life has changed, Jesus showed up at a well. He asked for a drink of water. He went to, let me offer you living water. Her life was changed. And what does she do? She goes back to her Samaritan village, and she begins to tell everybody the good news. And so look at, look at how the kingdom is impacted. Look how the kingdom is growing. And it began with just this, this physical need. And, and Jesus, yes, did he really need He was human, just like you and me. He probably was thirsty, and so he asked for a drink. But man, that was a great opportunity that 
then to begin talking about the spiritual living water that he could offer this woman. And because of that, she goes back to her community and a whole entire Samaritan village. Samaritan, I don't have time to get into it, but Samaritans and Jews, they didn't like each other. But because Jesus was willing to stop and talk with her, the physical need led to a spiritual need being met in an entire community, an entire village that came to believe on Christ. That's kingdom growth. That is kingdom advancement. We see the same, uh, I already referred to the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus met the physical need that day. They were hungry. They were hungry. He had been teaching. And instead of sending them away, he said, let's feed them. Fed 5,000 men, women, and children. But if you read on um, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus then will withdraw away from the crowd and he'll begin teaching his disciples. And he'll continue talking about bread. But he's going to start talking about not just physical bread, but the bread of life that he is able to, himself, able to offer them. And so Jesus began with just simply meeting the physical need. And it became a jump off point for him to then dive a little bit deeper and say, let, let me show you, let me tell you what I can, I can offer you myself. I am the bread of life. Take of me, eat of me, and you will never, ever be hungry again, and you will always be satisfied. Started with meeting the physical need. And man, it paved the way the spiritual need to be met. But I want you to hear this. Compassionate ministry that is void of gospel proclamation won't produce kingdom transformation. Compassionate ministry that is void of gospel proclamation won't produce kingdom transformation. Don't tune me out just yet because you might hate me if you tune me out right now and don't listen to the next few things I say. All right, meeting physical needs through compassionate ministry will certainly expose someone to the light of Jesus. When we, when we serve somebody, when we give, when we participate in something in the community, or when we, when we help somebody, compassionate ministry, we, we, are, we are literally, as followers of Christ, we are the hands and feet of Jesus every time we serve and give and pray and minister to someone's physical need. And that certainly does shed light um, to someone or expose the light of Jesus Christ. But having that physical need met alone isn't enough for heart transformation. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, if your physical needs are met, that is the way to the Father in heaven. He said very clearly, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what does that mean? That means the gospel still needs to be proclaimed. Look at what Romans chapter 10 um, says, and, and, and this really... Uh, captures what I'm trying to say this morning. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. If you want to know why we send missionaries, if you want to know why we pray for them, why we give to them, whether it's locally or globally, this is why because there are people that need to hear the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ and they can't hear unless somebody has sent and they can't send unless somebody is it feels called to go and so that's why we send missionaries because gospel proclamation yes meeting the needs is important and it paves the way for that conversation to happen for the gospel the good news let me and, and, and so Jesus took that that opportunity let me tell you about a different type of water 
I'm, I, I, there's a physical need being met here today, but, but let me go a little bit further. Let me tell you about a living water that I can offer you so you will never thirst. Again, Jesus was the master, uh, literally. <laughs> uh, he was the master at, at meeting needs. I mean, he healed people. And, and he, met the, he, he fed them. He cast demons out of people. But every single time there was an opportunity, he would also make certain that, that they would understand the, the true meaning behind what well, it wasn't just about a physical. There's a lot of people that he didn't heal. There's a lot of people that, that maybe didn't experience that compassion in ministry, but, but, but there's still this, this reality that gospel proclamation must, must happen. So what am I saying? Am I saying to reject compassionate ministries? Absolutely not. If you thought that, get that thought out of your mind right now, all right? It's absolutely not what I'm telling you. So what, what am I telling you? I'm telling you to stop giving. Absolutely not. Just the opposite. When we give, we do so to meet sometimes the physical needs. And as the physical need is met, it reveals the heart of God, that we serve a God who is compassionate. We see several places in the Gospels that says that Jesus was, was moved with compassion. And he was moved with compassion. He would meet the physical need, but then it allowed or paved the way for him begin to meet the spiritual needs and those who were like sheep without a shepherd. He was able to be the great shepherd for them. So in order to open the door for Christ-centered conversations and see, expect to see spiritual transformation, we are to continue to give, continue to serve, continue to steward those resources so that transformation, heart transformation can happen. As a church, we want to make sure that we engage in compassionate ministry in order for heart transformation to be possible. And I don't have a time to give you an exhaustive list, but even over this last year, certain things that we've done, certain things that you've participated in, things you've given toward, are all um, elements of compassionate ministry, hoping that it will pave the way for spiritual transformation. The Thanksgiving baskets that many of you gave to, some of you delivered, uh, they were a blessing to people. We were able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who were in need. Secret families, which happens every single year, um, where, where presents are, are purchased, are wrapped, are delivered, and, and people get a taste uh, of a compassionate God when we show up at their doorsteps and we say, we're here to bless you with Christmas this year. And it may seem insignificant, but folks, there is light that is being shed when we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And who knows what the Holy Spirit is then doing in somebody's heart. We've had opportunities, maybe some of you have, um, in, in those deliveries um, uh, where you had opportunities to pray with somebody, had opportunities to share the hope of Christ with them, uh, had opportunities to minister to them uh, in a time of need. Uh, any community outreach that we do. It's not just so we can do something fun. We want to do something fun, but we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, express compassion and ministry so that we will maybe have an opportunity and we'll pave the way for spiritual conversations uh, and even loving, loving our neighbors, whether it's uh, our, our neighbors out here, whether it's uh, our neighbors, our friends, our, uh, those at, at Westlawn or whoever it may be. We do so so we can be the hands and feet of Jesus and show them that we serve a compassionate God. He was compassionate upon us. He extended compassion to us. And we want to do the same for others. We want to reflect the character and the heart of Jesus Christ. Every time you give, whether you give in the offering bag or give online, you are partnering with God in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Another form of kingdom growth, and I'll give these last two, two last couple here to you quickly, 
Another form of kingdom growth is the good news that Jesus Christ invades new communities. Look at Philippians chapter 4. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news. And then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Paul said, even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent more. You sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. So even Paul, Paul said, I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm not a fundraiser. I'm just, I'm thanking you for partnering with me in the ministry to make sure that the gospel reaches the ends of the earth. Partnership of the church in Philippi paved the way for great kingdom work. Paul notes that this church was the only one at the time that was providing financial support to him in his evangelistic efforts. Now, if Paul didn't get that money, would, would he have kept going? Absolutely, he would have. Um, any place he could go when he was chained to a prison guard, what did Paul do? He told them about Jesus. Um, so for him, being chained to a prison guard was not necessarily a bad thing. For him, it was an opportunity because the guard could get away from him. <laughs> you see that? Uh, he was chained to the guard. Guard had nowhere to do. Paul was just going to keep you know, talking and, and saying whatever he could to introduce that person to Christ. They continued to financially partner with Paul. This enabled Paul to continue his missionary efforts and take the Gospels literally to the ends of the earth. This church here, Glad Tidings, Dunkirk, exists and the gospel is invading this community because of the faithful prayers of people that have gone even way before us, because of the financial support of a local church. Uh, many of you may not be familiar with the Speed the Light. Speed the Light is, is kind of the, the youth uh, missions arm of the Assemblies of God. And um, so, so teenagers give, uh, give to Speed the Light um, on a regular basis and, and there's a kids version we talked about BGMC Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge and so the, the, the money that kids raise um, and then the money that teenagers raise goes to what is called Speed the Light uh, and, and you will see I think there's a picture so uh, I didn't just Google any random photo here this is actually a Speed the Light vehicle one of the missionaries that we are supporting um, Scott and Ian I won't mention um, they're in a sensitive country, and, and I won't mention uh, last names at this point in time or where they're located. But because of, of the giving of Speed the Light, and, and hear that in the, in the name, they, they are able to get vehicles. And because they have vehicles in some of these, some villages that they're in, they're unable to get to unless they have some mode of transportation like this. And, and so Speed the Light, money that is given by teenagers um, from all over goes to help purchase those vehicles for our missionaries that are on the field. And guess what? They can get the light quicker, speed it, the process up, get the light quicker to those villages, to those places that have no access to the gospel whatsoever. So, so this is what giving um, and, and stewarding resources, this is what it does. This is the kingdom impact it makes when we give. This vehicle then allows those missionaries who have been called by God, who have been sent by God to get the gospel into those villages where it has never been heard before. 40% of, uh, of, of the world's population has no access to the gospel whatsoever. And because of your giving, because of your praying, because maybe even some of you in this room that maybe since God calling you, because of that, we are able to see the kingdom grow and advance. Financial support of missionaries too, both local and global, is making possible the invasion of the gospel in people's hearts and in people's communities. This is one of the missionaries that was with us just a few um, a few weeks ago, Sarah Nelson, um, and, and she's raised all of her funds. She's actually getting ready uh, to, to head to uh, the Congo 
Um, and uh, she is fully funded, fully supported, thankful, thankfully to, uh, to you all and to those that are giving and, and, and praying for her. She'll be leaving in June. Uh, she'll be heading to the Congo where she'll be um, uh, creating uh, ministries and programs for teenagers where she can share the gospel again with those who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And so there's a reason that we give, give and support as a church and maybe even individually um, missionaries so that the gospel can invade those communities. I mentioned Scott and Anna. They're sharing the light with Muslim people in unreached villages. Sarah Nelson connecting with teenagers to introduce them to Christ. Another missionary couple, Jay and Carrie Rostoffer, they are planting churches and training pastors in remote villages in Madagascar so the gospel of Jesus Christ can infiltrate those areas. Another form of kingdom growth, ministries even within the local church are strengthened and supported where we can equip one another to go and do the ministry God's called us to. God receives, this is important, God receives glory and his name is made famous throughout the world. When we steward faithfully the resources God has given to us, we are making his name, it's about him, it's not about me, we are making his name famous and we are, we are lifting him up and exalting him. Not trying to build my own personal you know, kingdom, Kyle's kingdom over here, this is about building the kingdom of God. And we are all partnering with him in doing that. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 12 through 13. I'm almost done. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers uh, in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God as a result of your ministry. They will give glory to God. So the first thing was uh, needs would be met. The second thing is as they participated in this ministry of giving, they would give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you were obedient to the good news of Christ. God was the one that was responsible for this outpouring of love on the Jerusalem church and this act of generosity. It actually unified the Gentile Macedonian congregation and the Jewish Jerusalem, Jerusalem communities together, which is incredible kingdom strides breaking down those political barriers. Every time we give, I want you to hear this, every time we give, God is glorified, He's made famous, and His kingdom grows. This, this is why we give, not to build our own kingdom. We give to build the kingdom of God. And finally, we're called to partner with him in this kingdom growth. But how? For one, as individuals and as a church, we have to embrace our call and responsibility. We have to say with certainty, I want to partner with him in advancing his kingdom. And we must each, as Paul says, we must, must each decide in our own hearts. It's not me coercing, not me tricking. It is as we pray, as we ask the Holy Spirit, I want to partner with you, God, in the work that you're calling us to do. Show me how, show me what I can do. We too ask for guidance, pray, and ask the Holy Spirit what role he wants you to play in growing his kingdom. Number three, consider next steps. And ask this question, what am I doing now? And can I do more? I've shown you this picture before. It's, it's, it's me, it helps me understand, or it helps me grasp as I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit what it is you want me to do, it's just simply called, you can look it up, it's called the giving ladder. Um, and, and, and because I know sometimes when we think about giving, we think, man, that's a, that's a big jump, and I, I, I just, I've never given before, and, and, and to go all the way up there, this, this, is, this kind of shows us how we can, as we pray, and as we ask the Holy Spirit, what, it is, what is it that you're calling me to do? Maybe, maybe you find yourself here as an occasional giver, a give, but maybe not necessarily consistently, and as you pray, the Holy Spirit really prompts you and leads you and challenges you, Okay, I, I want you to do more. So rather than going from there maybe to an extravagant, you know, when we go up a ladder, you can't just jump, you know, three or four steps. You have to go up progressively. And so this kind of shows you how you can do that. Maybe you tithe, you give regularly. You've been doing that for a long time, and, and the Holy Spirit's really stirring in your heart. You can do more. You can do more. 
and maybe he's calling you to be an extravagant giver, but that just helps me visualize uh, those next steps. Next question to ask is, am I giving regularly? Maybe even tithing, but since the Holy Spirit prompting me, even to give to missions. So, so maybe you are an extravagant giver. Maybe you tithe regularly. But, but folks, one of the great things that we can do, again, it's about the kingdom, not just about what's happening here, um, is, is as you give to missions, it allows us to even support additional missionaries, whether it's local or global, um, whether it's Chi Alpha ministry on campuses, we're able to pour into their lives so that they can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Missionaries, just so, so you know, missionaries within the Assemblies of God, they have to raise monthly support and cash funds to go on the field to do what God's called them to do. They rely on the support of people like us, local churches, to send them to pray. Uh, to, to give to the ministry that God's called them to. The quicker they raise, this is, uh, I think, uh, pretty knowledgeable, the quicker they raise their support, the quicker they get to the field, the faster the gospel reaches new villages, the quicker pastors are trained, the quicker there is gospel proclamation, heart transformation, and kingdom growth. And, and so we can support missionaries, and, and when we can do that, that can be you know, $10, $25, but whatever it may be a month, and as you do, uh, you are sowing seeds into the kingdom of God. Not everyone in this room is called to go necessarily globally, but I believe we're all called to pray, and we're all called to pour into uh, the efforts of getting the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then the third thing is we are to trust the one, or do we trust the one who will take care of all of our needs? At the end of the day, we have to ask that, do I trust the one who says he will take care of all of our needs? If so, if I know that he's, he's the owner, we're the stewards, and we can trust him as we give to know that he will take care. As we give more, as we do more, he will take care of our needs, and I can always do more. Let me, if you would just stand with me. Don't, don't tune me out just yet. Just stand with me, Yvonne, if you want to come and play. I mean, I want to read this story just in closing, and then we'll pray together. Some of you, I'm guessing all of you in this room, for the most part, are probably familiar um, with a guy by the name of Oscar Schindler. Um, he was actually a member of the Nazi party in Germany. He owned a factory, and uh, he actually employed Jewish workers, sparing them from extermination camps. Uh, over the course of the war, as he began to realize really the true aims of the Nazi party he once supported. Oscar Schindler began to hire more and more and more Jewish workers, not for the purpose of making money, but instead to spare them from the death camps. His workers purposefully made substandard shells and ammunition to disrupt the Nazi war machine. By the end of the war, he had spent nearly, listen, every last dollar of his once large fortune. In doing so, he saved more than 1,100 people, 1,100 Jews. In the movie, Schindler's List, there's a song played. The song title is, I Could Have Done More. It actually plays underneath as he is fleeing Germany. As the Allies approach and say goodbye to his workers. He is then presented with really a final gift from those that he saved. He's given that gift that actually causes Oscar Schindler to consider the fact that he was literally trading money for human lives. He thinks back to all the money he had wasted throughout his life, and he looks at his car, realizing the money he could have made from selling the car could have actually allowed him to hire therefore save maybe 10 more people. 
takes the pin off his coat and he realizes since the pin was made of gold at the time, he could have saved maybe one or two more lives trading in that pin for more juice. He realized as he came to that moment, he said, I can do more. I can do more. Your eyes closed, heads bowed this morning. When it comes to the kingdom of God, remember, we cannot outgive God. We can't outgive Him. When it comes to the kingdom, uh, we can always do more.